0: allow him to turn the corner, Mama goes that man. Puts up the shot. It's good! Kyrie Irving! Oh, if you don't like that, you don't like NBA basketball! Oh, boy! Welcome, everyone, to the First Pick Podcast. Your source for NBA news-related content. Thanks for listening. Welcome, everyone, back to another episode of the First Pick Pod. We're back. Obviously, free agency is this week, so I kind of wanted to give you guys a special back-to-back episode on today and tomorrow about free agency. What do you need to know? Who has money? Who do I think? Where do they think they're going? And obviously, we're going to have a lot of fun with this. Now, free agency starts July 1st, and teams are able to sign and verbally agree to contracts with other teams, and then contracts get signed on the 6th. So, With that being said, free agency, this episode, we're going to be focusing about what type of contracts usually players get in free agency. We're going to be talking about different types of free agents, and we'll be mentioning some of the more notable names that will be on the market, this free agency. We also, in the next episode, we'll be reviewing more of a player standpoint. So just to give you guys a basic knowledge of what is is free agency, essentially, what do you guys need to know? So without further ado, let's get this show started. So there are multiple different contracts in the NBA. One that is the most common during free agency is an unrestricted free agent. Those are technically guys whose contracts with their respective teams is finished, and they can just outright test their waters in free agency. They can take meetings. They can sign a contract with a whole completely different organization, and they do not have any sort of allegiance to their previous program. So hypothetically, let's say LeBron James is a free agent this offseason and he wants to sign with X team. He can sign with X team and the Lakers essentially do not need to get anything in return. That's what an unrestricted free agent is. It's just essentially a man that can go to a different team and has no sort of team control to him. It's kind of just they can go wherever they want to go. Now, a restricted free agent, that's something that a lot of players like Austin Reeves, Rui Hachimura, and a bunch of... It's usually guys who's are free agents, but they're just off their rookie deal. That's kind of what happens. So when you get drafted into the NBA, and you're usually like a first-round pick, teams usually sign you to a four-year deal. And after that four-year deal, you enter something called restricted free agency, and restricted free agency... Is essentially that said player can go out to different teams, could take meetings, just like a unrestricted free agent. But the restriction part comes in where if another team offers this player a contract, the team that had the player the year prior has 48 hours to match that contract. But under the new CBA, they have 24 hours to match that contract. So a prime example of this would be Austin Reeves, this free agency. He's one of the top free agents in this class, and he is a restricted free agent. He is willing to sign any other offer sheet with any other NBA team, but the Lakers will have priority in matching any offer. Now, NBA players can do this so they can get the most money. They go specifically looking out for other teams to just sign that contract, knowing that their own organization will be matching that offer sheet. And Essentially, a restricted free agent, no matter what their previous team does, it affects them. They can really want to go to their next team and they want to turn the page. But if you're a restricted free agent and your team matches that contract, you're obligated to sign with that team and you're not trade eligible for this year. A prime example of this was last year's free agency, DeAndre Ayton, son of the center's He signed an offer sheet with Indiana. It was like a four-year, really big contract. And it took him a really long time to get that number from Indy. I think Indy knew that they weren't going to get him. I think they were kind of giving him a, a, a good contract. A lot of teams actually give restricted free agents really big contracts just to see if they can pry away those players from their respective teams. We've seen rumors about that with any restricted free agent. So it doesn't hurt to put in an offer sheet. But basically, after DeAndre Aiden signed that offer sheet, the Suns matched, and now he's on the Suns, and he's been on the Suns, and it looks like he's going to be staying on the Suns, as of reports of multiple people. So that's something to keep an eye on. Another thing that we got to get to when we talk about free agency is exceptions. Now, when you're creating an NBA roster, and there's 15 spots, and there's a a certain amount that you can't pass or they don't want you to pass and they have just created a new CBA and essentially there's first aprons second aprons and aprons is just a fancy word for warning so they have a first warning a second warning and then the luxury tax which is like the biggest warning of them all a lot of teams are already at that luxury tax mark which is why we see trades that we don't really make sense Today, there was a trade involving John Collins going to Utah for Rudy Gay and a second-round pick. John Collins, yes, he did regress from a couple years ago in Atlanta, but nevertheless, he is a 13-15 to point-per-game scorer and 7-8 to rebounds. And you're getting a Rudy Gay who is most likely out of the league in about no more than two years, and you're getting a second-round pick. The reason that the Hawks did that deal was to stay under the luxury tax and try to save money. This free agency, contracts that have one year on them are ridiculously valuable. You see guys who should not be going for what they're going for being traded because teams really value the flexibility that they can get. Now, exceptions is something that in the NBA for teams that are contending are the only way they can bring in talent. There is something called a non-tax, mid-level exception. A mid-level exception is around $12 million. And any team that is under the first apron, which is around $160, $170 million, if you're under that, you can use that contract. You can divide it into multiple players. You can use it all in one, but you can use that money to sign a player. Now, usually when you hear a player's market is the mid-level exception, you can think around 12 to $13 million. A prime example of this was Nas Reed of the Minnesota Timberwolves. He was just signed to an extension of around 40 to 45 million dollars. He got essentially a little bit above the mid level exception. He got around 15 million annually. And that was the price that Minnesota had to pay in order to keep him. What was his value outside of Minnesota? Probably the mid level exception, which is around 12 to 13. So Minnesota gave him around 2 million than everyone else can give him. And gave him a longer term deal and essentially told him that we're going to give you this big contract and we want to make it work with you. So he ended up signing there. Another exception that's pretty important is the biannual exception. A biannual exception is in the name itself. You don't get it every year. It's every couple years. A biannual exception is around 4 to $5 million. A player that signed the biannual exception last offseason, Lonnie Walker. Lonnie Walker signed a biannual exception last year. So you can get good talent with the biannual exception. The only catch with these mid-level biannual exceptions and these other ones that I'm getting into, they're usually one-year deals. So you're really banking on, you're hoping that this player can help you win a championship that year. And a lot of players sign these deals as a prove-it deal. A most recent example would it be when Malik Monk signed a veteran minimum with the Lakers? Tremendous talent. How did the Lakers get him on a veteran minimum now? Well, back then, no one wanted him. He was an inconsistent scorer. He showed no signs of improvement. He had a terrific year and signed a multi-year deal with Sacramento. Players... That we do not know, have we not heard of reports about their free agency and what they're doing? Because I am a firm believer that players and teams already know what's happening on Friday. I do. I just, I already think so. I think it's naive of the NBA to think that no player and no team knows what they're doing. I think once the, the clock strikes July 1st, we're going to be hearing multiple signings. Because that's just how the NBA is. Now... I do think another another exception that we need to take note is the tax pyramid level exception. This is for teams who are at that cap, at that 160, 170 cap. If they're at that limit, you get one exception. And the exception is for 6 million. A team can basically use that contract to go over the cap and sign someone for that. That works. You can get a pretty good player for that, but you better hope whoever you get is a really darn good player. Now, a team that's going to run into this problem is the Phoenix Suns. The Phoenix Suns have around, I want to say, five to six guys rostered, four of them being Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, Bradley Beal, and DeAndre Ayton, and the rest are like minimum guys. With just those four guys, they're already at the cap that you need for a 15-man roster. The rest of their roster will be filled with veteran minimum deals, As a matter of fact, today there was a report that Stanley Johnson, Jabari Smith, and a bunch of other free agents will be working out for them. That's the type of depth that they're looking at. And it's very important that we note the new CBA tries to not make super teams work. The Phoenix Suns are still trying it. They want to see if it works. And if it does work, then the CBA is all in trouble again because now it's noted if you get the right three guys around each other, you can definitely win. But we just saw with the Denver Nuggets, we saw last year with the Golden State Warriors, we even saw with the Lakers and the Bucks the past couple championships. Depth is the reason why they won. There are role players: the Lakers, KCP, Dwight Howard, Javale McGee; the Bucks, Pat Connaughton, PJ Tucker, Drew Holiday, and just this past Nuggets, Christian Brown, Jeff Green. Aaron Gordon, Michael Porter Jr., KCP. You need a bunch of guys that can play in meaningful minutes. And I think that's what the new CBA wants teams to do. They want them to be able to not go a three-star route. They want you to develop talent, draft very good so you can get really good deals on contracts. That's why we have teams that are signing or trading for picks in this past draft just to be able to have a chance to get someone in this draft. It's very important to see how teams are structuring their contracts. I mentioned it a little earlier, but I want to go in depth to it. The veteran minimum contract. A veteran minimum contract is around 2.7 million. and essentially that contract is not on record on the books. It's if you're at 170 and you sign 10 veteran minimums, they're not on the books technically. So you can sign as many veteran minimums as you want. Veteran minimums, though, are usually guys who are in the twilight of their career or guys that no one in the NBA really wants. And you're basically taking a chance on them. Now, sometimes you can have a Malik Monk, a Carmelo Anthony, a a bunch of guys who you never expected. Dennis Schroeder taking veteran minimum deals and they end up playing well and their next contract is even bigger who will sign a veteran minimum contract, this free agency, that's a little tough. You never really know who's going to be signing what. Those are kind of contracts that throw people out the door, and you never knew he was available for the veteran minimum until he signs, and you're like, wow, I can't believe my team didn't get that. So that's something you got to keep your eye out for. But as you can see, there's so many exceptions, so many different free agency types. It's really important for us to Really know what we're getting ourselves into before we start talking about free agency. Because I see a lot of people say, oh, why can't Kyrie go to the Lakers? Why can't Kyrie go to Miami? Why can't Dame go to the Knicks? Or why can't Dame go to LA? Or Dame go to Boston? And this and that. NBA fans, or if you're not an NBA fan and you're hearing my podcast and you want to learn about the NBA, there's money behind this and they're not printing machines under any circumstance. There are teams who have kept their same core for three plus years and they're able to retain players. And then the bill grows larger and larger to keep that core group. But we just saw Golden State trade away a very young, promising Jordan Poole for an aging Chris Paul. And they gave up a pick. Golden State is the one that gave up a pick for Chris Paul. Chris Paul is a great talent. But I love Chris Paul at the idea of a veteran minimum contract or a biannual exception or a taxpayer mid-level anything six million and under Chris Paul's a phenomenal get he can lead your second group he can score when he needs to mid-range is efficient he gets everyone involved the Warriors traded Jordan Poole for Chris Paul only because of contract reasons you cannot tell me that Chris Paul fits in what Golden State is trying to run Chris Paul likes to slow down an offense. Golden State's offense is running guns, set screens, never stand still. Jordan Poole, yes, he struggled in the playoffs, but he virtually got traded to a team that had no money. So now Washington, who's in a full rebuild, received a guy who they can probably build around. Will he be there when they're a contending team? Probably not. That's probably not going to happen. But they essentially just gave up a guy who they were not going to play in Chris Paul. They were probably going to waive him in all honesty. And they got Jordan Poole out of it. And all because of teams trying to stay really good money-wise. It was going to get really ugly in Golden State if they had the contracts of Andrew Wiggins, Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Jordan Poole, Kevon Looney. Jonathan Kaminga's up for a contract extension. Moses Moody's up for a contract extension. And they still have Draymond as a free agent. Now that they got rid of Jordan Poole's money, they can pay Draymond what he wants. Essentially, trading Jordan Poole was them saying, we're going to re-sign Draymond. Don't even try it. He's going to stay. But that's the type of moves that teams are doing now because they're scared of this new CBA. Now, before we get into the names, as I mentioned, that'll be tomorrow's episode. I want to talk about teams with cap space. So cap space is essentially free money that you have. You look at your spreadsheet and you look, oh, wow, you're only paying $10 million this year and you have this much left. There are five teams with loads of cap space. There are the Houston Rockets with the most cap space. They have $65 million. That's why you hear them link to almost every single free agent possible. From James Harden to Chris Middleton, Brooke Lopez, Name it, they are probably have an article linked to them about this free agent. And I do think they'll land a couple. If you swing at 20, you're probably getting one. So they're probably going to get someone. Orlando's another team that has a decent amount of money. San Antonio, another team that has a decent amount of money. They just got Victor. I'm pretty sure someone can come in and wants to play with Victor. That can be a real possibility. Utah, another team with loads of money. And Detroit, another team with loads of money. Now on draft night, we saw teams opening up money. That deal that I had mentioned in my reaction to the draft, the Sacramento Kings opened up around $30 million in cap space, all just for trading Rich Juan Holmes to Dallas. Dallas also saved money. Dallas now opened up their mid-level exception. And Sacramento opened up around $30 million in, in money. They can sign hypothetically a Draymond Green to a contract. Will Draymond take $30 million a year annually? That's, we don't know. But I do think conversations are being had. Nevertheless, though, free agency is a really interesting time. Another thing I want to go back to, now that we've talked about teams with cap space, I want to talk about player options and team options. Now, on my Instagram, at the underscore first pick pod, I've been posting players opting in and out of their contracts, whether becoming free agents or staying. Now, when a player has a team option, it is essentially the team that has full control of that player's contract. A prime example is Malik Beasley of the Los Angeles Lakers. He has a $16.5 million team option for next year. That means Los Angeles has until this Thursday. To decide whether they're going to keep malik or let him walk what i mean by let him walk i mean they decline his team option he can leave the team as an unrestricted free agent and the lakers don't have to get anything or they pick up his team option with the intent to keep them or to trade him. a team option is essentially the team has to say whether you stay on the roster or not and a lot of times teams they can abide by players and they can say well pick up your team option with the intent to trade you and do right by you i think That's exactly what happened with Kristaps. Kristaps Porzingis was going to be a free agent, set to be a free agent this offseason. Washington showed him this idea of trading him to Boston. And this is where it's a little different. Kristaps had a player option. A player option is essentially the player has to opt in or opt out of his current deal. Now, sometimes given certain circumstances, it's smart for a player to opt in because it's guaranteed money for them. And at the end of the day, players care about getting compensated. Kristaps Porzingis is a phenomenal talent. 7-3, can shoot the ball, blocks a ton of shots, but he's injury-prone. Last season in Washington, he had one of his best seasons yet. But because he played in Washington, no one really cared. He played almost, around, I want to say around 60 games, and he would have played 70, but Washington shut him down the last 10. He was not injured. They just didn't want to play him. So he had one of the most healthiest seasons. You would think that he would enter free agency because teams would be lining up to give him money, especially with all the Victor Wembanyama hype. Wow, you want a seven foot guy plus that can shoot the ball, handle a bit and block a ton of shots. Wow, sign me up. But because of his injury history, his market was probably not that high. So what did Kristaps do? He opted into his deal, but he did not want to stay in Washington. So he let Washington work out a trade with Boston. So he opted in with the intent to be moved. And what happened? He is now a Boston Celtic. So we can still hear between now and Thursday, players opting in and out and who's going where. But that all needs to happen before Thursday. Another type of contract that can be given out during free agency is a non-guaranteed contract. A non-guaranteed contract is essentially not all of the money that's given on that contract is guaranteed to the player. If you're signing a $5 million non-guaranteed contract, there's a good chance that only 2 or $3 million of that $5 million is guaranteed to you for sure, no matter what. You have to reach a certain date in the NBA to get the full rest of that contract. A really good example of this was Dwight Howard when he signed with the Lakers in 2020. He was given a non-guaranteed contract. was essentially given that contract to prove that he was a team-first guy. Once he proved you were the team first guy, the team basically let the date pass of when his contract was guaranteed, and they paid him the rest of his contract. You usually give these non-guaranteed contracts to guys that you don't know if they're going to stay healthy, you don't know if they're good for your locker room, just big question mark guys, but you still want to sign them to the roster. It's a good way to the to get them to sign and keep them on their toes and playing their best and such like that. So it's it's really, really good. I like that type of contract. Anyway, I will be posting updates on free agency, on Twitter, and on Instagram. The Twitter handle is capital T, First Pick Pod. Now, if you guys can't find the Twitter handle, you can follow the Instagram at the underscore First Pick Pod. Click the link tree, and it's going to show you a bunch of links. You click on the Twitter, and it'll take you straight to the Twitter. And you guys can please follow me on Twitter, obviously Twitter, is a really weird app because you can get a lot of engagement but no likes and that's kind of what's going on here so if you guys can please just go over to Twitter give me what the follow I really do appreciate that um, and obviously Instagram is another form of way that I post content on there as well I post polls and such but Please follow me on the socials and remember to give this podcast a five-star rating, whether you're hearing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or YouTube. Also remember, please hit the subscribe button on YouTube. That helps out a ton. Recommend this podcast to a friend, whether that's a a friend that you want to get into the NBA or a friend that already knows the NBA and they just want to hear more NBA content and are an NBA junkie. Please give them this podcast and tell them to give it a listen. I would really appreciate that. Anyway, I will be at Summer League, so I will be giving you guys content via Summer League. I'll be posting on the First Pick Podcast Instagram, on Twitter. I will be trying to see certain NBA players and, you know, just get content from them especially. I really do appreciate you guys giving me a listen, though, and I hope you guys enjoy, and I hope you guys learned a little bit about NBA Free Agency this week. Keep your eyes out for an episode tomorrow, Wednesday, dropping same time at 12. Peace.